Hi, I'm Todd Killian, and welcome to Christmas Clatter, the podcast that celebrates everything that makes Christmas special. Be sure to head over to our website, christmasclatter.com. There you'll find our weekly blog posts. You can also sign up for our free monthly email newsletter, Clatter Chatter. You can also send me a message via email at todd at christmasclatter.com. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Hi, welcome again to Christmas Clatter. I'm Todd Killian. Well, just past Easter. I hope everybody had a wonderful Easter holiday. I know we had a, a nice Easter service at our church. Met at my parents' house for a nice big Easter dinner with some friends and family. Had kids hunting the Easter eggs. Had a real great time. The weather was beautiful. So I hope everybody else had a, a wonderful Easter holiday. Next week on the 15th, I think I said it in the last podcast, but uh, Hallmark Streambook is released. So we can start thumbing them calendar, thumbing them calendars, thumbing them catalogs uh, to circle which ornaments we are wanting to uh, to get this year and uh, i've had a chance to look at a pdf copy of the dream book and there's lots of great ornaments this year but uh more on hallmark christmas ornaments in the near future for those that missed my little teaser video last week um i'm just gonna leave it a teaser for now if you haven't seen the video head to facebook instagram or twitter check it out and uh and that's all I'm going to say about that. On today's episode, we have a lady named uh, Gillian Atkinson. She comes from the UK. She's an author and a lawyer and a historian and an all-around interesting lady. She wrote an article last December on kind of the history of Christmas music. It really focused on like the 1920s or so blues music and the Christmas music that came through that. Um, she's a real fascinating, fascinating lady. And uh, we kind of hit on lots of various subjects um, just because she knew so much about so many things and had a wonderful talk with her. Before I start playing our, our conversation, um, I go. We go about five minutes before I even introduce her. What happened is, um, is when I have someone on the podcast, normally we'd have some small, small talk to kind of just warm up to each other, get to know each other a little bit better, and then I hit the record button, and then uh, and then we get into the the heart of the conversation. However, with Gillian, we uh, we just right out of the gate, she started firing off stuff, and I just. Reached over, hit the record button, and uh, let her keep going. And, and then about five minutes deep, I was able to introduce her. So the next voice you hear after the little jingle will be Gillian, and we are off to the races. Thanks so much again for joining me here on Christmas Clatter, and here is my conversation with Gillian Atkinson. Well, I'm very interested in... Um Actually, all, all all sort of stuff pre-Christian. I mean, uh -huh. it's very difficult to speculate about a lot of that because, you know, talk about a lot of that because, uh, generally speaking, there wasn't a very great deal written down, and there is mm -hmm. there's a sort of thinking that um, 
Celtic culture and the the Druids, from which we know really very little, you know, it could be written on the back of a stamp about what is known about the Druids because it was all from Romans. It's argued that they um, um, discouraged people from writing. I mean, we don't know that that's true. So all we can do is sort of, sort of, you know, kind of uh, speculate. But from my perception, the idea of Father Christmas probably comes from um, the Germanic, you know, gods. And um, great, I'm on a podcast, can't think of the guy's name. So that's really handy, isn't it? But um, <laughs> one of their main Germanic gods around wintertime, it, it was called um, the sea, the Wild Hunt. And he went through with this, this chariot with these creatures on it. Uh, they're a bit like flying reindeer, you know. Uh, and then when they'd done the wild hunt, they gave out all the food and, and things like this. So I reckon that um, is probably the very first idea of, you know, Christmas, a Christmas figure, and then it's just been taken, depending in which culture you are. And it, and it, I find it, I'm very interested in all sorts of cultures. And the, interestingly, if you think of the native, you know, some Native American cultures, I can't and don't want to speak for them all, or it, right. you know, but but they have often they've sort of liked elements of the Santa Claus because they can relate to that. And there are some absolutely great images of native Santa Claus as well. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Anywhere that's got a winter has a winter culture associated with it. Yeah. You know, one thing I've I've learned starting this podcast and I guess I was kind of naive to to you know my American roots and my Christian roots is is Christmas isn't this linear uh, movement from the birth of Christ celebrated through the church. It actually, you know, Christmas traditions date back even to before Christ, you know, with yes. the winter solstice and things like that. And Definitely. it's, it's so fascinating to see how many different parts of the world's, you know, traditions play into it. And, and, you know, there's even evidence of, uh, you know, things like mushrooms playing a part into Christmas tradition and, and the reindeer flying and things like this. and uh, Yes, yeah. this is part of a Russian thing, isn't it? Uh -huh. it, is yes. very, it, it is very interesting, but um, now, of course, I'm crossing myself that I can't just think of the um, the, the God who was, you know, the, the sort of God, but it, it doesn't really kind of matter, does it? And I'm very interested in, you know, the greenery and things like that and, and the mistletoe that they say that's all druidic as well, don't they? Well, well, they yeah. do. Um, whether there is any, I don't know if you've seen that picture. It's quite interesting. It's, I think it's in um, one of the museums in um, Scotland, mm -hmm. and it's the druids cutting the mistletoe. Are, are you familiar with the picture that I mean? That it sounds familiar. There's a podcaster um, goes by Craig Kringle. He does a weird Christmas podcast. And uh, you should follow him on social media and check out his episodes. He posts all these old um, pictures and cards from Christmas. And there's a lot of that kind of um, imagery in there. And that sounds really familiar, even though I can't say for it sure. Is. It was a uh -huh. famous, um, they're like the pre, are they the Scottish school or the pre-Raphaelite school? I'm going to get my 
hands sort of slapped if I get this wrong from my Aussie <laughs> friends, but nevertheless, they will know what they're talking about. And it is like the Druids going up ceremonially and cutting the mistletoe, which they did with um, a golden sickle. Uh, and uh, there's a, bu- a book all about this, you know, uh, called The Golden Bough, time of thing. Um, however, the imagery from that is actually based on Native Americans that this guy had observed. So everything's all really very mixed up, isn't it? All the sort of stuff we know about Druidic culture and how that impacted Christmas and things. That's a Victorian concept in itself, a European Victorian concept. Interesting. It is very interesting. And, it is, uh, yeah. And for my listeners, you've been here and we've jumped into the middle of conversation here with uh, Gillian Atkinson. She uh, She's a kind of a jack of all trades and it sounds like a master of all. I've read through some of her biography. She was brought to my attention. She wrote an article back in December last year uh, entitled Death Might Be Your Santa Claus, The History of Christmas Music. And uh, we jumped on here and we started talking and got into the Christmas uh, discussions of, of the history and, and different things. And uh, Gillian, thanks so much for joining me here on Christmas Clatter and uh, taking some time out of your evening to discuss Christmas and, and its history and uh, and uh, it, the Christmas music. And especially we'll get to it, I'm sure, the, the 1920s and that era. I, I really appreciate your time. Oh, gosh. Uh, thank you very much for having me. <laughs> I, I just think the whole thing is absolutely interesting isn't it you you know we're as human beings we are rooted very much to the seasons aren't aren't we yes i know that we've kind of lost touch of with that as modern people but Mm -hmm. um i don't want to drift on to halloween but uh, you know rather that you can understand in a way why this is still very popular because um i'm not anti-church much uh But obviously, older most cultures most cultures have got a connection with ancestors, haven't they? They they yes. have. So you can see that the, the the changing season, sort of Halloween, as we're coming up towards Christmas, that's all connected with reaching out to the ancestors. And funnily enough, many elements of Christmas are are too um, talking the ghost stories that are associated at Christmas. It's, it's funny, isn't it, that we've still got that in us, yeah. But yeah. I'm very happy to talk about the music. I mean, I'd love to, if you let me go yeah. on. Oh, that, that's fine. Uh, here at Christmas Clatter, we'll, you know, always talk, I always say these these uh, conversations we have are kind of like uh, visiting with your favorite cousin around the holidays that you don't get to see all the time. We'll just go down whichever rabbit hole pops up and, and see where we come out on the other side. But uh, <clears throat> one of the things I've learned with, Christmas is Halloween and Christmas are seem to be a little bit more tied together than what what I think some people would actually care to mention. Oh yeah, and, definitely. Uh, and yeah. Uh, and I've actually was never a big Halloween fan, but since starting Christmas Clatter, I've grown to appreciate Halloween a little bit more in in its traditions. And, well, I got moved. Which I didn't back. think would happen. I, I was astonished to learn. That, you know that 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 was more of a spring festival, and it, and it's got sort of moved move back but mm-hmm. to, to as you were saying once you start to get even if you start it as a bit of a joke you know like kind of mm-hmm. oh i like christmas once you start really reading into it and all this that and the other um it, it is fascinating and at the end of the show or what i might just email you with some absolutely uh, great books on 
certainly um, the British kind of Christmas, because obviously, as you very well know, uh, better than I, I would imagine, the, all these European, well, European cultures, isn't it really? Northern mm -hmm. European cultures and perhaps Southern cultures as well. They kind of all do it in a different way. That thinking, that, mm -hmm. I must say, Gary and I, um, that's my husband and fellow director. I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but um, we we decided that we would leave our tree, our Christmas tree up until uh, St. Bride's. Um, that's the 2nd of February. Um, we also know it as um, Candlemas in the Christian yeah. tradition. Um, and I thought, oh, I wonder what people are going to say about this. But everyone really who comes in, no one has said, oh, my God, what are you doing? They said, oh, how lovely. You, you know, all that you have left is just your tree and a few bits on it. <laughs> and the fairy lights. And uh, uh, and when it gets to the 2nd of February, I can only say obviously in the UK, but would think it would be elsewhere as well, because it's done traditionally in Poland and this, that and the other. Mm -hmm. The light has changed. It really has changed. And yeah. you feel it. You think, oh, it's the right time for the tree to come down. Then I feel I've not wasted. A tree hasn't died in vain. If, do, do you know what I mean, uh, Tom? Mm -hmm. It's been a lovely yeah. thing, and we've done it for the last few years. I'd recommend it to anybody. Yeah. I, I would too. We have I have uh, several friends that do that. And they, you know, they oh, refer no. to it as candlemas, and they they leave it up. In fact, I have the tree up behind me. I put up um, just kind of something to do. Um, February of last year, I was just you know we took our tree down. We didn't leave it up as long as uh, that, and <clears throat> it was actually Super Bowl Sunday here in the states. I thought you know what I'm a I wasn't that interested in it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put up a tree, and uh, I've told this story before, but. You know, it was February last year, about a month before the pandemic, and and I, I'm a letter carrier. I deliver the mail for the postal service, and we were deemed essential. So I was out in the middle of everything every day, you know, delivering yeah. mail. Not not sure what was going on, and there was there was times I would come home and you know try to be extra careful and you know not you know bring anything home for for my wife or kids and and stuff, and just kind of the stress of not sure what, you know, the, the, the pandemic was going to do or anything like that. There was times I find myself down here with my tree on and listening to Christmas music. And it was like this stress relief, you know, it was just, you know, I, I, I turned on uh, Vince Guaraldi's, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas oh, soundtrack yes, on do, vinyl, yeah. you know, just some light, you know, jazz Christmas tunes. And it was just, uh, just let that music just kind of wash over me, so to speak. And it was just, there was one night that was real bad. I ended up flipping that record over like four times, just keep, you know, keeping it going and keeping listening to it. And it's just something about the tree and the lights and the music that just kind of put my, my spirit at, at, at ease and at peace with, you know, kind of lifted the, the heaviness of the things going on. And it's like, well, maybe it was just kind of a, uh, like a, a godsend, so to speak, that I went ahead and put up the tree when I did, because, you know, otherwise I wouldn't have, wouldn't have had time to do it. And I've, I've just left it up. It's like, well, I record here and then people can see a Christmas tree while we talk Christmas. But uh, I still, still, there are days I'll come down and just sit and with, you know, nothing on in, else in the room and just the tree and enjoy it. But you're, you're right. There's something about yeah. leaving that tree up until, until the right it, time. Absolutely. Definitely. And I think what has sort of ruined Christmas is, I don't mean, I, I'm not opposed to gifts because they're very, you know, they can be very nice, but mm -hmm. um, I can't reveal to listeners how old I am. <laughs> but um, um, I do, you know, 
Gary and I and our son, we don't really need anything. Right. You know, and I, and I actually feel that the things that we've, if I do buy, it, it's stuff for all year. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, I'm not saying that you shouldn't buy a few bits because that's the whole purpose in it of Father Christmas, Santa Claus, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Although, right. um, where people haven't got anything, and this idea that Santa Claus doesn't bring things to children, that's sort of heartbreaking, isn't it, really, mm-hmm. in, in a way? Right. So I think it's better myself um, to scale this sort of stuff down. And if you don't need it, why not make somebody something from your own Mm-hmm. sort of efforts and bring greenery into the home and sit and listen to your lovely music as you said whatever your taste is type of mm-hmm. thing and enjoy all that all the fabulous things in in nature that are free and if perhaps you open one or two gifts that's sufficient you could just make yourself a nice meal couldn't you i'm quite sure that's the the true meaning of of, of christmas under any particular god that you want to go with really in my right. opinion, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Well, Gillian, let's take let's go back to uh, Christmas music and kind of the history of Christmas m- music. I know it goes back to um, around the fourth century or so was probably yes, the does. first trace of it. It was probably you know easy to say it's probably before then, but we don't have any documentation. Yeah. You know, so just kind of start us there and kind of give us, you know, a bird's eye view of, of where it came from. And, and are there still songs that are that old that we would recognize today? Yes, I think I, I think there really are. I mean, in this way, then we don't know what was happening before the church. Obviously, we're right. just going to go along with this view, aren't we? I think that, you know, Jesus and the church. And it was very much encouraged, of course, to have uplifting music and um I personally not sort of a church goer, but I like carols. You know, mm-hmm. it is. It, 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 there's something about it, isn't it? Like Christmas morning. So some of these are quite, quite ancient, really, going back quite a few hundred years that we still sort of enjoy today. Um, and I think that's what people did. They went to the churches and they listened, and you were uplifted. And of course. You went day after day after day after day, mm-hmm. didn't you? To, yes. to, uh, you know, to to listen to it. I'll just have a. I might be able to even tell you um, which ones we still sort of enjoy today. Um, well, I think you'd have to go back and have a look at uh, you know some of the sheet music. Really, um, mm-hmm. it, that's been with us since fifteen eighty two. Some of these things. Oh wow! But with the sort of things that we uh, associate with Christmas, that was still jolly. But that's going to the seventeen hundreds. But I'm going to say that sort of um, sentimental jolly kind of, uh, uh, you know, popular mm-hmm. popular music right. really. Um, and I think you've already mentioned. Uh, I think you actually mentioned that the first thing that we can. You know, where we see Santa Claus are mm-hmm. these popular tunes up on the housetop. I think they're still going in the States, aren't they? Yes. And Jolly yes. Old Saint Nick. You wouldn't mm-hmm. hear that, I don't think, in, in the UK. Y- you certainly sort of wouldn't. But you do hear things like Jingle Bells, and and I love the story behind that. Do you know the story behind that? I, I do know it, but for those that, that maybe don't, why don't you... Uh give us that that history because it is a fascinating history 
it is a fascinating history. I mean, um, it's linked with the theatre and minstrelsy as well. So, you know, there are some uh, perhaps undesirable things about it, but everyone likes Jingle Bells. But but um, it interested me because I didn't know. There was a sort of craze in the States with the middle classes, if you like, of um, of sleigh rides. You know, of going on sleighs and and well-to-do and often not well-to-do young men, like they did. You know, they used to didn't they with fancy cars. You know, impressing the women type of thing. Right. Uh, would you like to have a ride on this sleigh type of thing? Well, yeah. Um, and I don't really want to bring race into this, but often they did have um, black sleigh drivers. You know, and there was quite. A, they were very gifted. You know, you had to be because you were racing under these conditions. Often there were falls and spills and this, that and the other. So this is what you hear in this recording. But there were plenty of um, plenty of these sleigh ride songs. But the chap who wrote it, I think he was a minister's son, he'd fallen on hard times and you might say plagiarised. <laughs> you know, he, might, he used a few of these verses and ideas to write this thing and, and the next thing you know. And... Stuff that had been in minstrelsy as well, because he was an aspiring songwriter and he wrote for sort of vaudeville and minstrel shows. And it was a hit. I'm not sure it was quite just the hit in his lifetime as it was now, but everyone loves Jingle Bells. Was it associated with Christmas? No, it was just associated like with winter, winter weather, not really Christmassy. But now, of course, we think of it and in all the loads of um, blues recordings and other jazz recordings, even white recordings, there are many, 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 you know, versions of Jingle Bells. Yeah, there are. There's a, actually, there's a little bit of controversy here in the state. Savannah, Georgia, and the town in Massachusetts, the name slips my mind, have this debate on where the song was actually written at. Uh, they both have compelling arguments that, 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 the, that the writer was in their city when he wrote the song. And uh, so... That's kind of a. Um. There's a very interesting, almost semi sort of thesis written about it. <laughs> and this is where I, I garnered most of the information. Uh-huh. Um, I, and I agree with you that there are two people. So it is well worth them. Um, I don't know, maybe we might want to revisit some of this sort of nearer Christmas, you know, for <laughs> for sort of listeners. And we, I'll. I didn't get this out, and maybe I should have done. Would be quite good, wouldn't it, to see if we could just kind of solve these puzzles uh-huh. once and for all? You know, a Western European and um, an American, we could just perhaps sort it out, couldn't we, oh, between us? I don't see why we couldn't. You know, we 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 could figure it out. We don't have a we don't have a. Or a horse in the race, so to speak. So maybe we, we could figure out. No, we don't, do we? Figure out <laughs> well, I think we probably do, don't we? I mean, as we're Christmas nuts, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <clears throat> I think I think probably one of the oldest songs um, that people recognize right off bat is, is um, Silent Night. You know, it was written just over 200 years ago in, in Germany and was kind of a poem and put and put to music and and that's kind of, that's the kind of songs that you know really survive over the years and you talked about the jolly songs that that uh, came out in, in the 1800s and and there was you know sheet music and books and we kind of you know uh, the 12 days of christmas came along you know had a kind of has a mixed history of uh, you know coming out of france and you know and then oh holy night comes you know out of france and then 
third verse gets written in the United States, which is, you know, to be a, a, an abo- uh, abolitionist type of statement. But nothing really gets recorded because of, of um, you know, the lack of ability to record. And then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, technology is there and and we're able to have, you know, some Christmas recordings. What do you know? Would you happen to know what would happen to be like the first recorded Christmas song? Would it be something like Jingle Bells or, or maybe something else? Well, I think as far as I know, I think it's a country and Western version. Um, as far as I know, it was recorded on October the 30th, 1889. So this would be the banjoist Will Lyle. And uh, at that time, he was invited into Edison and he made <laughs> history by recording our old favourite here, Jingle Bells. Okay. So I think, this is what I've said in my article, I think it's probably right, really. It is generally agreed to be the very first Christmas record. Mm-hmm. That'd probably be on one so, of those Edison um, tubes or, you know, one of the oh, cylinders. I can't even imagine what, what <laughs> yeah, yeah, they would have done. Yeah. Um, yes, it, I don't think we had um, actual record. Well, I don't know. I'd have to double check that actually, because <laughs> yeah. it's so far back. Right. I've never seen a- any one of those. We brought out. I should say that um, I'm I, I'm going to sort of say a little bit about the company we're, we're Document Record, uh-huh. situated in the UK, and we have mostly reissued the vast canon of African American, sort of early African American. Um, recordings about 1890 to about 1942. However, we were gifted some Edison, uh, very early Edison recordings. And I think it was, um, uh, it was Christmas stuff from Orange, which was where they were. Uh, and there's some very early stuff in that as well. And some early, um, I think Silent Nights on that uh, Edison staff and, and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and on the African-American side of things, going to be one of the Jubilee singers like Fisk Jubilee. They were very um, recorded very early. I think they recorded prior to 1920. So that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And and one thing reading through this article from um, um, Prosperi uh, Press, um, which I'll have a link to that in the show notes for everybody to go check it out and, and read it here. And, uh, and, and like you said, you, you are the director of document records. One of the things that I had no idea was how many um, early 1900s, you know, in the 1920s Christmas blues songs there were. Um, I'm a big music fan. I've, I've, you know, I've played bass guitar for, you know, um, you know, half my life now and, and been into music and love all kinds of music. You know, you always hear people say, Oh, I love everything, but they only listen to like two different kinds. I'm, I'm one of them. I got <laughs> I got a record bin over here just full of everything, and, and I love it. But yet, yeah. for some reason, that 1920s era blues music in general here in the states isn't. It's kind of kind of you know other than like Robert Johnson and a few others, it's kind of just forgotten about. I mean, I'm sure there's pockets of of real fans here or there, but in in general, it's kind of forgotten about in. And I, you know, I, I feel subject to that myself. And, and one of the things I really loved about about your your um, article you wrote was how many blues Christmas songs there there were written in that time. Just just kind of give us an overview of that time and and what different 
different people were doing as far as you know laying down the Christmas themed blues songs and, and such. Well, it's quite an interesting thing that you've raised because I think I've changed my mind about a few things since I um, since I, I wrote the article. Uh-huh. Really, um, we do know that there were other sort of Christmas songs that have been done. Um, a very, very early recordings and people, I mean, um, they called the first lady of radio, Vaughan DeLeith, and, uh, and people like that had done chirpy Christmas songs. Then for me, I think the first Christmas song I'm going to go with now, it annoys me because blues and jazz purists who are often white, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they have got a bit of a, I don't know what this is about really, insisting that things fit certain molds Mm -hmm. so for me the first record is um santa claus blues uh i'm gonna say it's the first blues and jazz record that was uh that was recorded anyway so that was by uh clarence williams um i don't know if if you know anything about clarence williams but he was incredibly um well he came from New Orleans, there was quite a big migration, as, as you probably know. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, uh, many of the very good musicians, many stayed, but a number moved up to Chicago. Yeah. Pr- you know, in the late um, 19, well, say 1919, something like that, 1918, 1919. Uh, and they did very well in Chicago, but it was sort of all happening in New York. You know, there were, there were opportunities for all sorts of talented people, including African-Americans. Um, so a lot went there. And Clarence Williams, already a good um, musician in his own right, and he saw an opportunity there, opened a publishing house. And he, active, he, he knew, obviously, when they were moving up, they were moving up with other musicians and people in the know, of course. So he actively had people coming and giving him um, recordings. So he and um, his wife, actually, Eva Taylor, and I, I think it's an amazing sort of lineup. Somebody like Louis Armstrong, yeah. you know, in the band. Wow. They they recorded two versions of this Santa Claus blues, and one's a sort of like, um, I suppose, poppy, and the other one is really, it, it absolutely tugs at your heartstrings. It's dead interesting because Clarence didn't write it. It was two white people, two... Um, Jewish writers, in a way, it doesn't matter, you know, talking about white, black, or Jewish, mm-hmm. but in another way, of course, it does because we can't get away from what was happening, can we, in sort of 1920, that it was really quite racially divided. And right. um, yeah, but for me, that's the first Christmas record, yeah, first Christmas blues, yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I need to uh do my homework and, and uh try to hunt down a recording of that some somewhere and to be able to listen to it and the name louis armstrong well, at the end of i mean obviously please cut this yeah. out but what I, what i'd love to do todd yeah. i'm just going to send you what we've um i don't know if you can take it all digitally but we, I, i'm a bit obsessed with all this mm-hmm. now you know and we're on going to be on volume six okay. of blues blues christmas this year we got I, we went a bit mental really and uh-huh. i've started hunting down any African-American record, any sort of black recording and any sort of bizarre or strange country recordings. Uh-huh. And, and um, you know, Christmas 
from around the world. So we're we're on that, and we've probably got enough material for um, Blues Blues Christmas seven as well. So we go from nineteen twenty mm-hmm. to nineteen sort of sixty two. Yeah, and we've got a lot of Christmas oh, wow, music. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be really interested in that. And, and the, oh, I'd love to send it. Yeah, to you. And when we get off here, we will. And and then if there's a way, I can make that available to my listeners to you know to have access to um i'd I'd love to to share that as well and and because i know i have uh, a a lot of christmas music fans and and, you know and and one thing about people you know such as myself that that do christmas year round or you know or thinking christmas year round i should say is we save the traditional stuff you know the bing crosby's frank sinatra's that kind of you know andy williams we save that stuff for the actual holidays because we don't want to wear it out through, you know, through the rest of the year and we want it to remain special. So we save it. So we're always looking for uh, new Christmas music that we haven't heard before to supplement, you know, for, for some, you know, lost recordings or forgotten recordings or, you know, things that people have found that may be unusual and, and things. In fact, there's a podcast jingle jank that's just on unusual Christmas music you know, is, is a, well, so. there must have been a market for it because there are hundreds of blues, hundreds of blues and jazz records. And I mean, some of them are a bit sort of samey because what do you right. kind of say? But what I think I like about it very much indeed is, um, you know, a lot of the the white output, if you like, is about it's all lovely and mm-hmm. Santa's coming down, and the African American stuff is like, oh my god, it's an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't got any money, and there's been a punch up. And right. I mean, I shouldn't really laugh because often this was people's lived reality. You know, I mean, it's funny in one way, and no doubt people were amused in one way, but in another way this probably was people's sort of reality and, and these awful things that happen. But of course they also happen in, in you know, white households as well. Mm-hmm. Cause we know, don't we, that Christmas is a sort of mixed blessing. It's often a time, isn't it? When for family problems, family breakups and no money and crime and blah, blah, blah. Although we never want to give that impression to we about Christmas. Right. It's always like, a family time mm-hmm. but as you probably know the stats on it are, are quite awful aren't they for suicides yeah. and people be you know i don't know what they call it a black blue monday don't they mm-hmm. afterwards because people do silly well well it's silly to me but you know feeling this christmas pressure and then mm-hmm. getting in loads of debt and all yeah. that sort of stuff yeah then that, it's, yeah yeah, it's that, that, yeah that's true to life and that's something I, i've addressed here on christmas clatter every year to make sure, you know, people are, are, you know, keeping their, their mental health up. And, and, uh, I always say that Christmas makes the happy times happier and the sad times sadder. And uh, oh, definitely. You know, it's just something about the, the holiday that, that does that. And, and it, it is important to remember those things. And even if it's through song or just, you know, remembering it, you know, through something you read, you know, to remember, you know, the struggle is very real for people and, you know, and it might be different, you know, than, what others are going through, but you know, part of being the holidays is being mindful of your neighbor and, and helping to reach out, and touch them uh, as well. I think it's sorry. And, well, I think it's very interesting that African American, all the early blues things, mm-hmm. 
actually do have a lot of that in it that um you know that people are sort of suffering and, and all I think we started sometimes putting the sermons on kind of like ha ha isn't this sort of funny about what people no one talks like this anymore mm -hmm. but now that I'm a bit more sort of mature and understand a few things some of these you know sermons like death may be your Santa Claus and this that and the other or this was saying to people that if you're going to go crazy, you know, if you're living in difficult circumstances and then you're going to go crazy, you don't know what 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 the outcome could be. I mean, they were in very difficult straits. So this was a plea not to go mad and get yourself into trouble. By the way, I don't think that um, African-Americans are... I, I mean, I think this was said because they had such difficult lives and it was like, I suppose it was putting more restrictions on them. I don't think we can get that, you know, I don't think we can understand really that. I, I don't want to turn this into sort of like a racial thing, but right. um, I was reading something very interesting about um, one of the top band leaders, I think Jimmy Lunsford mm -hmm. at, at talking about gigs they were playing in the 1920s, something like 1929. And on Christmas Eve, they just were playing a gig. But it was a curfew for African-Americans, off you go, go home at 11 o'clock. Everyone else was out, going out. I mean, this is something that we can't understand, isn't it? Yeah. And you could be arrested, you could be chucked in jail if, if you broke that curfew. So... That's quite shocking, isn't it? If, yeah. if if you you think of that, really, so it's unsurprising that some of these records were made. I'm sorry, don't want to politicise the um, the show in any way because I know we're talking about, but I don't think you can talk about African American right. recordings really in the blues. Right. This is one of the reasons, of course, this came about, isn't it? Because people have these very challenging lives right well it's history is history and yes and is. if you ignore the worst parts about it then it's then it's a lie and and yes and so you know if we're going to be you know study history and be stewards of our history then we have to accept all the good with all the bad and and try to understand it the best we can and and it's not being political it's just being honest about what happened you know yeah. and what didn't happen and 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 and, you know, making sure that those mistakes aren't, aren't done again, you know, and, and so uh, I wouldn't say you're politicizing it at all. I just say you're just being honest about how it was and how horrible it was. Y yes, I think it was. And then, and then, um, you know, certainly that the, some of them, I love it, actually. I mean, I mean, there are songs about Christmas in jail, mm -hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think they're done so, some way in a light-hearted manner, but in another way that they're kind of not. And there's a lot of great songs about, you know, Santa Claus, please, you know, bring my man back or find me a man or a woman or, or right. something like that. You know, that's what, what people sort of wanted, just normal normal sort of things, but th these wouldn't have been put on white records, would they, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think I love it. There's some great, you know, really great songs amongst them and some swinging songs as well you know you great party records as well 
Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, one one of the names that come up a lot in, in your article here that uh, you know played on different records was uh, Louis Armstrong, and you know he's probably one of the most endearing from that you know time as far as you know musician and and uh, he for some reason that name just adds so much credibility to anything he's attached to because you know he's so well regarded in in that time. Well, I I, I think there were standards, you know, really pretty high standards. It it had been very, I, I'm going to say from my heart, the first blues record to me in a way is, um, is crazy blue. It, Christmas record is crazy blues. Just briefly tell you the story. I wish we could have done this last year because <laughs> it took till 1920 for the first, um, it's not the first African-American on record. That That's not, African-Americans, had recorded before, but not in in vast numbers. And it was somebody, a chap called Bert Williams, who was, um, you know, in the theatre, you know, a a comic type of thing. And then a horrible, some horrid racist stereotype stuff and and some Jubilee singers. But um, a guy called Perry Bradford, who was a songwriter, because there were a lot of songwriters writing for white artists and things. And obviously there were lots and lots of, blues singers really at the time Ma Rainey and, and I'm sure you've heard of her name and things mm-hmm. like that. very popular doing the African-American circuits but not only that white people went as well because they're like you know they, these were great artists and there was jazz all sorts of things are brewing but you couldn't hear it on record but Perry Bradford sort of said look I think there's a market here there's a lot of African-Americans and why wouldn't they buy records so in 1920, um, a couple of test recordings were done by a, a woman called uh, Mamie Smith. Mm-hmm. And eventually, um, Fred Hagar gave them a go at OK Records, said, yeah, well, why not? And it was called Crazy Blues, and it came out in the winter, in the press, I think, in the September, and then it was out in the November and apparently could hear that everywhere you went in New York. And, and it was it, it just was dead popular, November, December, January, February. Uh, and it was so popular, in fact, that white and black people thought, oh, <laughs> this is great. Uh, and they did versions of it as well. But I think it, it must have stayed in the minds of many Harlemites. So, you know, this is what we were listening to in Christmas 1920. Mm. Yeah. Although it's, there's not a Christmas, there's not word about Christmas in it, but <laughs> there we are. Yeah. Well, that's, that's not all, all that uncommon in, in the Christmas song for there not to be a mention of Christmas. But, you know, speaking of race, this is a little bit off topic, but there was a, a gentleman, um, he was a professor at the, uh, Purdue University who, who wrote a book about, um, uh, American slaves in Christmas. And uh, he contacted me kind of late in the season last year. And uh, I'm hoping to get with him and, and have him on to talk about his book and, and uh, <clears throat> how, how uh, you know, Christmas, you know, affected, was affected by, by, and, you know, towards, you know, the unfortunate slave culture that, that the States had early in its history. So it was one of those things that was like, I didn't want to, I didn't, you know, I'm just from rural, rural America and, and didn't think I had, you know, I didn't think I was the right guy to talk about it, but no, it seemed like nobody else was. So it's like, well, somebody needs to talk about it and, you know, and, and put it out there for, for people to, to hear. Otherwise, you know, 
could be one of those things that are it's just you know swept off to the side but <clears throat> like i said it you know all that history is important for for all these blues singers and and you know the way they were treated and have you seen there's a documentary it's been out a few years now and i think it it was on amazon prime it's probably other other things but have you seen the documentary called jingle bell rocks no i haven't i didn't know it actually existed you you should you should check it out it's about this gentleman and his name slips my mind but he check he goes to record stores all over the country and he like thumbs through like the deepest darkest crevices of all record stores finding uh records christmas records that you know were are really rare or really bizarre and he, he talks about his journey and and how he he finds uh this one record <clears throat> it's about it's about several different songs and but you know one of one of the songs he finds that really impacts him is um there's this jazz record and it's full of all these traditional christmas songs but the very last song is a song with miles davis in it and and the guy who sings and writes all the schoolhouse rock stuff yeah and uh, he's like and that's the only time they ever worked on anything together. That's the only record you can find that song on. And, you know, it's kind of yes. about that journey and him digging those gems out. You know, and there's also, the, you know, he talks a lot about the uh, Nat King Cole song, um, the, the Child That Santa Forgot, you mm-hmm. know, and, yeah. and, and, and things. But uh, I, I think you would find that that fascinating because he, he's on a similar journey as you uh, digging out, you know, all the, the, the blues stuff and, and putting it out there for people to find and to hear he's kind of on a, on a similar, similar journey as well. And, and uh, that's kind of what you run to be able to talk about that. Well, I can hope, I hope we can swap a few sort of resources at the end. Cause I'd be very, yeah very interested. I mean, we really have minds sort of quite a rich theme. We also like to introduce you to a friend called uh, Lamont Jack Pearlie. He's oh. an African-American, you know, and uh, he's, as he, I think also, um, although I am very interested, have learned a very great deal through the African American uh-huh. community. Uh, I, you know, I do feel that um, obviously white people have collected all these things, and I'm not saying, of course, that we shouldn't have a view about it. Of course, but I do think um, that it's very easy to miss all the nuances, isn't it? The, so you can't really. Um, I'm interested in what I know about Christmas. I'm interested in the, in the mm-hmm. Christmas records, but I, I sometimes think, well, we don't know enough. You know, I, I, we're in talks at the moment, document because it's a, a lot of the catalogue African American uh-huh. recording um, that were quite rare. But I've revised my view about a lot mm-hmm. of things since being more linked up with the African American community. I mean, clearly. In the early years when people were reissuing this sort of music in Europe, well, I think when it was first done, of course, you, you couldn't make these links. People had the wow. telephone and, and that was it. They didn't have the internet. If you right. wanted to know anything, you had to write off to a record shop. Well, it's not like that now. And we're um, actually in touch with many relatives, grandchildren or great-grandchildren of of these blues artists mm-hmm. who wrote these you know right. this great music and and sang these great songs yeah. interesting to hear yeah. their well, take on it too it, it seems it seems to me from where i sit that that the people in the, in the united kingdom have a different relationship with american blues than americans do um even 
you know, past the twenties, you know, through the, you know, the, the, the forties and fifties, there were so many, uh, um, uh, British musicians influenced by blues, like, uh, Helen Wolf and John Lee, John oh, Lee yes. Hooker and, and different ones that, you know, inspired them to start rock and roll bands. And that's why we get the British evasion here in the States is, is, is you know, yeah. so, so many in, in England were inspired by those, you know, musicians, that were cutting records in Chicago mm. for chess, but they had some popularity here in the States, but not, not nothing like they, they did in, in England. And, and I remember, you know, a documentary on Motown and about how the, they, they went and did a, a, a tour and landed in London. And it's like the band was blown away that, that, that the fans there knew their names, you know, and, and cause they would tour the States and no one knew who the musicians were, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. What? I mean, in the states, we knew you know you could name the Temptations and the Four Tops and the Supremes, but you didn't know, um, um you know that uh, people like uh, James Jamerson was on bass and and uh, you know Robert White on guitar or anything like that. But they were well known. They were well known there, really? there in, in England, and uh, that that you know. So that, as far as uh, you know, African American music in, in the states, it, for some reason, it, it it hit in the UK different than it hit here at home and I'm not sure why that is, but I'm kind of glad it did because it kind of was a, you know. Uh That's a really interesting sort of perspective because um, I hadn't, I hadn't realized that. I just imagined it was just as huge. Um, I mean, I think the good thing to come out of this, for instance, is that there are more and more connections being made between music lovers of, um, all sorts right. of ethnicities and, um, you know, being able to talk about all these different aspects and music lover, you know, it is quite difficult, isn't it, to talk about these things. We know there are a lot of wrongs done, but good hearted people are trying to do mm-hmm. of all races, um, are trying to do good things right. together. And, uh, um, you know, we're working with young black, young, very young black bluesmen in, in the in the traditional sort of sense Every, other people say oh that's all finished but but it hasn't you know you can't no, keep good no. music down though can you do, you do you know what i mean todd that's gonna yes. cream rises it, it doesn't does. it really you know and i love I, I i love all sorts of christmas music and there's a lot of white stuff as well i think oh could i sneak <laughs> that on <laughs> to right. the next blues blues christmas and things but i'd love you to Things like um, from, it's quite interesting because wherever we went, the Brits, if you like, in colonising, <laughs> I apologise for all that because it wasn't a good thing. It wasn't a good thing. But uh, but the mixing mm. of cultures and all that kind of stuff produced an amazing sort of music. So things like um, going around the Bahamas and finding things like this uh, Mama, make make me a Johnny cake. I don't know if you've heard that at all. Uh, that's such a great song. It's absolutely amazing, and that's about a Christmas tradition they have of Johnny cakes. And then the last last year we did. Um, it's like a. It's wild. It's called Christmas time in NASA, and I think that's. Um, well, that's uh, yeah. Jamaica, isn't it? And that is wow. You know that's rocking. Yeah. It's dead excited. Oh man, I'll have to I'll have to listen to both those. They, they sound yeah. I never heard it. Yeah, oh yes, I, never I, heard I of think you love cake, them. But... 
I'll take a piece. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. For Christmas, yeah. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> Gillian, let me ask you this. It's a little bit more of a personal question. Let's say um, it's Christmas morning and uh, you, you're just uh, getting out of bed and you need to turn on some Christmas music. What are you reaching for to listen to? Well, this is what this is what we do. We're up early, and I can't, as I told you, I'm not religious at all. But we just put Christmas uh-huh. carols on. We we just have Christmas carols in the morning. I, I kind of do struggle a bit with. Uh, we've been working on the CD, say uh, <laughs> probably all year, and then really gearing up in the summer months because obviously we're going to release. See, um, as you probably know, unless you're a big set, I mean, I'm not. Um, the The music business yeah. has changed beyond all all measure from mm-hmm. when I was, you know, buying music. But um, unless you're massive and you're touring, people don't really sell very mm-hmm. very many records. You know, download a few or it's on Spotify. So if you sell a hundred albums, which we did our Christmas yeah. album, it's a hit. I mean, it's a joke, isn't it? It's not a hundred thousand. Right. It's a hundred. But the work that goes into them, I don't want to say too much about that because the work was put in yeah. by the artist, wasn't it, to to create this fantastic music. But we are at the stage now where we're really trying to find a lot of these rare records, then, then the work to reissue them. And then somebody, often a friend of ours, Jeff Harris, where you try and learn about how on earth did this record come about? What can you say about the artist? Because nobody knows mm-hmm. anything about them. So there's been all that, and then there's trying to make it into a listenable format. So that's probably been good. Well, we started the the one that'll be out this year. I thought, right, I'll do it over Christmas this year, so I won't be <laughs> sick of it. Um, but we, we're part way there, but we've still got to fill it with with a few more tracks. So this is going to go on until July or August, and then we listen to it all the way up to mm-hmm. Christmas Day, and then it's the carols. And then silence. We don't have a telly or anything mm-hmm. like that. I don't. I, don't, I know. It's terrible. We don't have a television or anything. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that's terrible at all. And what we did this Christmas, our son has left home, so it was Gary and I on our own. We had. Don't tell anyone this, even though I'm on a podcast. We had Christmas lunch, Christmas lunch on our <laughs> knee. Oh my God! If there's a hell, we'll be going, won't we? Because we had it on our <laughs> knee. You know, the first year where we didn't have all the good pots and pans out, and this, that, and the other. That's what we had, uh-huh. and uh, we watched some history programs on YouTube. <laughs> but I have got a weakness. I, I'm afraid I've got a weakness, really. And you might want to have me on another podcast about this. Okay. I had winter bedding on. Have me holly and ivy winter bedding. Oh, they, yeah, yeah. That's that. I would, I wouldn't say that's a weakness, but I, I don't blame blame you at all for that. We still have. Um, oh, it was a weakness. What can I say? I've got too much winter bedding for one woman. You know what I mean? And this probably caused a worldwide shortage with me winter bedding. Oh, uh, we still have a few decorations up in, in the house, and, and counting the. Uh, the uh, fine Christmas china in our in our hutch in our dining room, and it's like I'm just gonna leave it there because uh, I love yeah. I love all that and turkey plates. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we didn't um, 
we didn't have them out. Yeah. I did, oh my God. I mean, it's, I could start weeping. All this, we didn't have the turkey plates out yeah. this year. Well, I did. I mean, you know, nothing bad has actually happened to us. <laughs> kind of wondered if we'd have a thunderbolt on the house, but it didn't happen. Oh, well, I did something this year that uh, I'm, I'm always try something uh, different or new tradition, you know, or something from abroad. So this year, uh, a, yeah. a friend of mine, uh, Adam, who does the Mary Britsmas podcast, uh, he encouraged me to try mince pies. And, uh Oh, they're bloody oh, lovely! Did you I like loved them? them? I loved them, loved them, loved them. I found I found a a world market store that carried you know different foods from around the world, and they had some some little mince pies in a pack, and I bought them, and they were delicious. Oh, I, I- I adore them. Uh-huh. Do, do, do you know what I mean? And when I was growing up, we used to, we used to have Christmas pudding as yeah. well during the, you know, in the winter months as well. Do you have stir up Sunday? Do you bother with all that? No, no. What What is that? Oh, right. Well, um, it's um, it's a church um, thing it started, but this is when you're supposed to. Uh, mix your Christmas cake. That's on Stir Up ah. Sunday, and it comes from him. Stir up, we beseech thee, type of thing. But you mix everything in it, and you drop your lucky coins in, and all that sort of stuff. Be breaking your tooth, you know, <laughs> Christmas Day with the Christmas pudding. But that's what they uh-huh. did, um, and it, it's. I still love that. I still try and do that uh, um, on Stir Up Sunday, and we put a, an album out called. Um, seasonal selection box told you i'm potty about it <laughs> uh, and that started it from um stir up sunday i couldn't actually think of it i put on it something from britain and it was called um from the war years gert and daisy make a christmas pudding oh wow. which people obviously thought was hilarious in the 30s <laughs> and the 40s but seven minutes of them just I had to cut it down because I thought, well, people just won't be able to cope with it. Two minutes, do you know what I mean, about uh, on that. And then we used a, a track, a blues track called uh, Stir It Up by the Memphis Sheets, which has no connection at all to Christmas, but we used it. And then it finished at Chris, uh, then it finished at um, New Year's Eve. And then I'm going to do another one eventually, um, which will be from New Year's Eve till um, uh, Pancake Tuesday, okay. Mardi okay. Gras. Oh man, that sounds fantastic! I'm gonna have to. I see. I'm thinking Christmas pudding is gonna be my thing for this Christmas to try. And... God, it's bloody lovely and brandy sauce. Oh my <laughs> God, I could don't I could eat it now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the way it is with a lot of the holiday foods. I could eat it year round, but then it would just not be special if you did. So, in. And do you have the chocolate logs? Because that's important as well. Because that's the Yule log. Yeah, isn't yeah, we it? do the Yule log here in. Well, I'll tell you what hit hit. The, um, no doubt, we're going to wind up in a sec. But what hit the Brits was something that we'd never had. It was panettone. Uh-huh. That's Italian, yep. you know. That's an Italian. And every year, please don't. I don't want to offend any Italians. Um, but we then get. You know, we've had a lot of European stores because we're not in the EU now, sadly anymore. Right. But we ha- we started having a lot of European stores. You probably have them in the states, Aldi and Lidl right. and all this sort of stuff. And with them, there was this like, what is this panettone? Uh-huh. So everyone gets a panettone. Well, Brits don't like it. You know, <laughs> it's sat there for bloody yeah. months later. Oh, there's that panettone that I didn't eat at Christmas, yeah. you know. Yeah. So not all cultures mix, really. People will be ringing in now going, that woman was dreadful about panettone. Yeah. I know a lot of people that think the panettone and the fruitcake are the exact same thing. 
you know, and, uh, and I'm like, well, they're not the same thing, but. <laughs> oh, no, they're not the same thing at all, but we should stick to. See, this, uh, this, we, we really Brits have to stick to mince pies because we like all right. that, really. But they're going out of fashion, and, and I don't know people. Some people don't have um, Christmas pudding. Well, you'd just have to slap them, yeah. wouldn't you, for that? Yeah. It's a travesty. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah. I don't know what's wrong with the mince pies because they are fantastic. They absolutely are. But, uh, <clears throat> well, Gillian, I thanks so much for your time here, uh, joining me here on Christmas Cloud. Let everybody know where they can find you at and uh, read more of your things and uh, and be able to uh, uh, see see all this wonderful music that you're you're putting together for people to get a hold of. Thank you. Well, I've, I've been honoured to be on. I've really, really enjoyed it. And frankly, I could have probably talked for another yeah. hour. So if you ever get stuck for guests, I, I probably got, I love it. <laughs> so I think, it, and I know that you're really interested in it as well. So I might pitch you a few more yeah, ideas because it's just such good fun, yeah. isn't it, chatting about yeah, this Absolutely. Stuff. You can you can become a podcast regular for all I'm concerned. So. Oh, well, I wasn't trying to work, but, but maybe we could do something a bit nearer Christmas yeah, and, and um, we can play some of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, that'd be great because uh, uh, in, in October it? I switch to a, a weekly format and then I, sometimes I do uh, bonus episodes and I also have a, um, what I call a, a musical extravaganza episode where I, it's really to help independent artists that, that uh, release things or release box sets like this you know, to put their music out there for people to, to find and get a hold of around, around the Christmas time, around Christmas time. And then, uh, and then I started a new thing. I've got loads of things to show you. There's a bloody great guy. I don't know what it's, and I I think he's playing Jingle Bells, Um, but he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant, but he's got himself sort of watching it going, yeah, we know you're good, but it's that's enough now. <laughs> it's really cleverly done. I think you'd enjoy it. I'll send you a load of links afterwards. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, and, and thanks so much. And for our listeners, uh, all the links to Gilliam and, and the things she's working on will be in the show notes and on the website. So there'll just be a couple taps away, uh, for you to get to and, uh, and thanks so much and happy Christmas. Oh, honestly, it's been my pleasure. Happy Christmas when it comes. Thanks for joining me here on Christmas Clatter. Be sure to check out our website, christmasclatter.com. Email me at todd at christmasclatter.com. Christmas Clatter is a proud presentation of the Christmas Podcast Network. And remember, keep Christmas hope alive every day.